And we are back. Music. Here we go. It's podcast day. This is Between the Sheets with Leah. I am your host. I am a money-making. I am a God-fearing. I am a manifesting queen. Yes, ma'am. Yes. This is my co-host in the house. Whoop, whoop. W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, period, poos. It's nice to be back. <laughs> okay. I see you. <laughs> and we have a special, beyond yes. special guest. Um, I don't even know if she knows how special she is. I'm like so blessed that she is blessing this platform yes. um, and just kind of giving us her story. Go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Kristen Faith. I'm the founder and CEO of Boss Babe Networking. Yes. Yes. The Boss Babes of Love Boss it. Babes. Yes. And the nonprofit makeover. I call my businesses my twins because I created yeah. them just around the same time. Um, but I'm here. I'm yes. an activist. I'm a humanitarian. Yes. I'm a speaker. I'm a bonus mama of four amazing kids. I'm a wifey. All yes. those things. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again for being here. And I'm really excited to just kind of dive in and get to know you. I So a little bit of background on how I got to meet Kristen was, uh, first and foremost, her, her pictures continued to kind of just rotate through Facebook. And I'm like, who is this girl? Like, who is she? So I started stalking you a little bit. Like, okay, <laughs> what is this going on? And then I think my email got tied in somehow. <laughs> Smart marketing, by the way. And I got a notice for one of the, I don't know if it was one of the first networking events that was here in mm -hmm. Springs, but it yep. was at the, uh, how do you, how do you say that? Kawadi. Kawadi. I want to say coyote, but. <laughs> <laughs> Your mind is on a different level. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Kawadi. And, um, I'm not, I'm not a huge networker. I have never been, um, I've been blessed actually in word of mouth referrals and things of that and building the business. However, I know how imperative it is to get out there and start to meet people. And so I really was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Uh, she feels like the right fit for me. I love the message. And so I met you there and um, kind of just stayed a little bit in touch here and there. And I, we'll get into the social audit in just a second, because that was so mind-blowing, so powerful. Good, though. It was so good. Yeah. I'm so glad. Yes. Oh, hey, you know, I, I was just like, okay, what am I going to learn? What am I? We'll, we'll get there. Um, so that's how we met. And uh, from then, I've kind of heard a little bit just from others. And that's why we want to take it to the horse's mouth for sure, yeah. is a little bit about your story. I see you doing multiple things in Springs. I admire you. Um, you uh, really inspire me. And uh, I'm not trying to sound shallow um but there's not a lot there's there's not a lot of people that I look at that I'm like damn like she's inspiring and I I want to be more like that and you are one of those individuals oh, for me thank you so, I appreciate that um so if we can I would love to kind of first and foremost just start from the beginning and uh, who who are you jeez I mean how much time we got <laughs> right um <laughs> give me give me the background where are you from you know sure so I, I think when it comes to sharing my story, there's so many different ways in which someone could do that. Um, and for me, I really felt that my story truly began um, when I left an abusive relationship. Yeah. And what I mean by that, because of course, you know, the, it, that in, in and of itself is a story in and of itself. Right. Um, however, I really found who I was when I left that situation. Mm -hmm. 
So I was 18 years old and in an abusive relationship. I left when I was 22. Um, and ultimately, I heard God's voice saying, hey, if you stay in this relationship, yeah. your life is going to spiral out of control. Wow. Um, and there were so many terrible things that happened in that relationship that literally could have taken my life. Yeah. Um, and the last incident was when he bit my arm and it left a big bruise. And I remember telling my mom my story and she was like, we need to get you out yeah. and uh, we need to get you a restraining order because yeah. this person was stalking me and harassing oh, me man. and it was, it was really dangerous. You vibes. Oh yeah. It was, it was a lot. Um, and so I did that. I took a leap of faith and literally 11 days after I got a restraining order, I decided to share my story. Good. Just let me, let me pause there um, and just kind of dive into that just sure. a tad bit. Yeah. Um, 18 to 22 mm-hmm. in this relationship, mm-hmm. um, knowing that it's not good for you, knowing that it's toxic, mm-hmm. carrying the voice of God, but still how hard was that for you to leave? Oh, so hard. Um, I grew up in an abusive home right. and I wasn't physically abused as a child, but I witnessed my mom being abused. And yeah. so growing up, I thought, well, if my mom can do it, I could do it too. I literally said that to myself. I literally remember one of the incidences um, where I trapped myself in the bathroom. I literally poured a whole bunch of Oxycontin, which I haven't actually shared this part of my story. But I poured a whole bunch of Oxycontin on uh, the bathroom floor. And I'm like, am I going to kill myself right here, right now? Or is he going to kill me? And I literally thought about jumping out of a two-story building um, to get out. I was so scared. He had held me hostage. And and there were so many things that happened in that relationship that I was so literally numb to the pain. And what literally woke me up was hearing God's voice. And there were so many times that I tried leaving. Mm -hmm. I literally packed my bags and I'm like, I need to get out. I need to get out. Um, And he would come home before I was able to leave. Um, Or I would tell him, hey, I'm going to leave and I'm done. Um, And I remember getting phone calls, private phone calls saying, hey, I'm watching you. I know what you're wearing right now. You're wearing da-da-da-da. And I literally remember looking up and down uh, the street and I'm like, I don't see you. And he goes, don't worry about it. Mm. I got my eyes on you. You're just living in a constant state of panic. Yes. Fear, oh. panic. 100%. Uh, yeah. Paranoia. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it just came to a point. A lot of people who were in abusive relationships stay because of fear or, or because of, you know, the threats or because of kids, whatever comfort the reason. Comfort even sometimes. Comfort. It's just because that's, that's what they know. That's right. what they know. Um, I've got a friend that's actually currently going through something. And it's mm. like, it's, it's like, it's like talking to a brick wall. Oh, 100%. Yes. Like, and it's getting so bad to the point where it is, like you said, you know, it's going to be one of those situations where somebody's going to end up getting really hurt. Yes. Somebody's going to kill each other. Somebody's going to hurt each other. And what kind of advice would you give to women that are going through a situation like that? And they can see what's going on, but they can't take that step. It doesn't get better. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't, not, mm. it doesn't get better. And so many times, a lot of us who were in abusive relationships hold on yes. to the, well, that one time it was so good. And yeah. it was so good. Too. And it was so good. Yeah. Or, you know, you bought me flowers. You made me feel right. like a princess or whatever the case may be, or king. Um, and then something just switches. Yeah. And, um, for anyone who's in that relationship, I want you to understand that, you have to choose you. Yes. And the moment that. that I chose me, 
I had to literally take a leap of faith and say, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. And also keep in mind, um, I've done advocacy work for the last decade. And one of the things that I've learned is literally the 72 hours after leaving an abusive relationship is literally the most dangerous because the person who was abusing you has lost control. When someone who is abusive loses control, they were willing to do whatever it takes to get you back. And a lot of times, Not every time, of course, um, but a lot of times when abusers lose control, they are even more physically aggressive, Mm -hmm. and this is where we see people losing their lives. Mm -hmm. And so I had to be very careful um, when I left that situation that I had things in place to make sure that I was protected. Right. Were you guys living together? Um, During our three-year relationship, there was a part that we did live together, which was the most abusive time of our relationship, where he held me hostage, where police would come knocking on our door and he would turn the lights off and literally say, you're not going to make a sound. Oh my god! And literally we were sitting on uh, the other side of the wall and the police were knocking at the door and I could have screamed. Yeah. I could have like yeah. said, help me. Yeah. Um, I literally heard the neighbors of our apartment saying, someone help that woman in there. Someone help her. Yeah. Um, and I was too afraid to say Jeez. anything. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big part of who I am today. And that's why I say that a big part of, you know, where my story started and why I'm so passionate about what I do now, especially for women, um, is I remember what it felt like to not have a voice and I'll be damned if I ever go back there. That's right. And so me being the person I am now, it's like, dang, that person back then was a completely different woman than this person right here. And so I am so passionate Mm -hmm. about being fired up, about being empowered and giving people a voice and, it all plays into the work that I do now is giving people a voice and ensuring that they know that their story matters, yeah. no matter how yeah. painful it was. Right. Yeah. So from that point on, so at age 22, then you, you find yourself, you're, you're leaving this relationship and you are now trying to venture into life mm-hmm. on your own. I mean, probably the help of, of individuals around you that loved you or not. Um, and where do you find yourself? So I left that relationship and got a restraining order and shared my story on Facebook. I started a Facebook page and that's where really my love for social media happened. I went to school for social media as well and and the study of how people react to digital media. Um, And this, what year are we in? We are in 2011. Okay. And so, excuse me. So... I decided to create a Facebook page and started sharing other people's stories. And it wasn't until about six months later that I actually copied and pasted my restraining order on Facebook Mm. and let the world read it. And my goal was to give people the opportunity to share their story. And literally men and women from all over the world, from South Africa to the UK to Australia to Wichita, Kansas, people were writing in and asking, can I share my story? Or your story sounds like mine. Can I share my story with you? I literally shared thousands of people's stories online and created this gigantic platform for people to feel heard. Yeah. And it was the first of its kind at the time um, for people to share their stories so publicly and so with so much vulnerability that people were like, wow, this is different. The way Mm -hmm. that you're advocating Mm -hmm. against violence or abusive relationships is different than what people have been used to. Um, So I started a nonprofit called Break the Silence Against Domestic Violence and literally the world took off after that. That is amazing. 
Thank you. Uh, 2013 was our first year that we offered services. 24. Who's we? We is my nonprofit. Okay. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. So I started a nonprofit and uh, people were, you know, asking for help and asking for support services. And here we are in 2014. We were quadrupling the amount Dang. of support we were offering. Mm. 2015, I get a call from Glamour Magazine in Stop. New York City. I swear on everything. I get a call and they were like, hi, is this Kristen? I'm like, this is her. Um, I just want to let you know that you won a Glamour Magazine and Investigation Discoveries uh, Everyday Hero Award. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh my God. I was like, such- I don't believe you. Right, I don't believe real. you. This isn't real. Who sent you? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That's what yes. I said. Yes. And um, they were like, this is Condé Nast. And I'm like, first of all, what is Condé Nast? <laughs> what? And this is like the biggest freaking. Kanye West, what? Uh, I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, we're going to fly you to New York City for a photo shoot. And I'm oh like, my God. this ain't real. Right. This, this ain't real. And they're like, this is real. I don't know how many times I have to tell you. <laughs> Uh, but you were chosen amongst 800 people around the country. Wow. You were nominated by uh, one of your supporters, a part of your nonprofit. Mm. And um, we're going to fly you out. So they flew me and my husband out to New York City. And I did a photo shoot in the One World Trade Center. And, um, 2014? 2014, 15, around okay. that time. Um, and literally just things after things happened and literally the the opportunities were like it, it was meant to be. Yeah. And I was just going to um, ask you that is how much do you feel? Of course, you know, God is leading the way in so many ways in our life that we can't see. Um, how much was it? Do and I'm not going to say fall into your lap because that's not, uh, I already know just based off of the way that I've seen you move it, but how much did you know that was going to actually happen? And oh, not like here you're it. thinking like, I'm going to share this story. I'm going to share my story. Then it, builds and builds and none of it wow none that's the thing that i love so much about what you said is you said you took a leap of faith out on you yes because god called out to you and then the the everything was limitless after that mm. let's be honest i was you i was afraid yeah i was afraid i was still living in the same city as the person who abused yeah. me who he knew where i lived he knew my phone number he knew everything oh, about yeah. me and it was never about him and it was never about you know showcasing his name. Right. Even when I shared my story, I didn't right. share his name. Um, but I took a leap of faith because I knew that someone needed to hear my story. Yeah. I knew what it felt like to live in silence. I knew what it felt like to grow up in an abusive home. I knew all of the pain that came with that. Right. And so for me, any time that I felt like I need, I need to give up, like yeah. I'm tired. I was literally putting in like 20 hours a day, seven days a week for Ooh. years. Yeah. And I was tired physically, mentally, emotionally, yeah. all of it. Um, but I took a leap of faith and I did it because I knew people needed me. Yeah. And when I heard stories about, oh my gosh, like you helped me leave that relationship or literally in the middle of the night when I would get phone calls from women who were like, I need to escape. What do I do? Wow. And I would pick up the phone or when I would go to visit girls in juvenile hall who all grew up with abusive families and they're like, I'm in an abusive relationship. What do I do? I was like, if you get out and you need me, here's my number on everything. Here's my number on everything. Call me. And I remember one, one girl forever. She will be ingrained in my soul. Um, I call her little Maria. I remember she was 16 years old and she wrote me from juvenile hall. I gave the girls my address and these girls would write me out. I have hundreds of letters from these girls from juvenile hall. And she messaged me on Facebook when she got out of jail and she goes, you know, 
I'm, I'm in an abusive relationship. You taught me what, how to see it. And I want to know what to do. Right. And I remember like helping this girl and I invited her to our women's retreat. And literally that sparked a whole relationship with her to really get her out. Um, this girl had been in and out of juvenile hall, probably a dozen times yeah. by, by 12 years old. Um, she was raised by a single dad who abused her. Her mother left her. It was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, but like having, seeing stories and hearing stories like that, that's what pushed me to keep going yeah. because little Maria needed me, yeah. but so did Jenna. So did Ashley. So did all these other people mm-hmm. that needed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't about me anymore. Yeah. It was like, what can I do to get you resources? I would be on the phone all hours of the day, getting wow. someone in shelters, right. getting someone the resources, educating people about yeah. relationships, um, and really changing the way that advocacy happened. Yeah. Um, and ultimately that's what propelled the organization to reaching 200 million people on social media is is that I cared about people. Um, and you were authentic and you were real about your own, your own shit, you know? Yep. Oh, I love that. That is incredible. Thanks. You're awesome. Thank you. Where did, um, where in your story, so, so you, 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 you kind of dove into a lot here because I heard you say my husband. So you obviously met um, somebody in the transition of your, your, your move in, in, in life. And, and tell me a little bit about that. So um, a big part of creating my organization and its success was I literally was selling T-shirts out of the trunk of my car. Really? That, that was the hustle. Yeah. Um, that's how I funded the organization yeah. from the beginning. I was in college and I funded the organization like $13,000 in wow. college. So for anyone who's in college and you know, right. we ain't got no money like that. <laughs> um, but I was literally buying T-shirts and flipping them out right. of the trunk of my car. And I was like, who wants T-shirts? Right. I got T-shirts. <laughs> um, but they were black shirts that had the words break the silence on them. And I remember in 2000, gosh, everything feels like a blur. But 2011, um, also part of my story, I competed in pageants. Um, by 15, I competed in my very first pageant. I was so shy. I was like, I was literally the girl that held on to my mom's belt loop. Yeah. It didn't even want to talk to my own family. That's, yeah. how, that's how afraid of people I was. Mm. Um, but I remember seeing a flyer at my high school saying, oh, you can win scholarship money. And I was yeah. like, mom, I'm going to do a pageant or I sign myself up. But she goes, but what's your talent? And I'm like, I'm a hula dancer, mom. Right. Like, remember, I've been dancing <laughs> since I was three years old. Um, you know, I do that thing. I, I've competed and everything like that. So I competed in my very first pageant and I won. And then I kept winning. Mm. Um, And so when I was in that abusive relationship, I didn't compete in pageants because that person told me, though, you're ugly, you're fat. And who's going to, who's going to want to pick you? And I was like, you're, you're right. Who's going to pick me. And so I was like, my self-esteem was like this. As if our own mind isn't enough. Right. Right. Then we have somebody else. Right. Right. So my, my uh, self-esteem was about this big. Um, and I remember in 2011, my mom had found a pageant in a newspaper and was like, Hey, you should do the Miss Asia San Diego pageant. And I was like, mom, I gave it up. Like I'm not doing pageants anymore. And I was at the tail end of that relationship. And, um, she was like, you can win $3,000. Like sign me up. (laughs) Where do I, money? Where do I, where do I go? Um, so I ended up winning that pageant. Also fun fact, um, they crowned the wrong winner that night. Oh, and so, so yeah. it has happened before. <laughs> it has. And what's funny is that same Steve Harvey incident that yeah. happened. There's an article, literally look it up on you on Yahoo. Uh, top 10 pageant scandals. I'm like number four. Oh my what? God. <laughs> I'm serious. My mom sent me that too. She was so proud. Um, 
But anyway, so one of the performers for the pageant was my now brother-in-law, JJ. And I was, him and I met and I was like, Hey, you should wear one of my t-shirts and tell your friends. I had just started the org. Like I just, that was in August of 2011. I left that relationship in August of 2011, started break the silence in December of 2011. So just about six months later, I told Jay to wear, um, one of my t-shirts he did. And I was like, Hey, tell your followers to support it. And he decided to write a song and dedicate it to my nonprofit. And then when we met to talk about that idea, we met at a bakery, um, which this month or actually in one week from now, it'll be 10 years ago that that happened. And um, he it was him. It was his manager and his brother. His brother walked in. and I was like, who are you? (laughs) Um, And it wasn't anything on like, a oh, you're like so gorgeous, which my husband is gorgeous. Um, But it it was like his energy. It was like, I don't know what it was. But also we were sitting down in in the bakery and he's like telling me ideas and like, oh, you should do this with your nonprofit. Intellectual. And I was like, you are are speaking my love language right now. Yes. And it was like the other people, Jay and his manager didn't exist. And then uh, long story short, him and I connected. Um, we were out at the studio the next day. The the uh, producer was like, oh, when's your birthday? I told him when my birthday was. He was like, oh, you two are a perfect, perfect match. Yeah. And I had just met my now husband. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't know him. Ain't nobody worried about him. Ain't nobody worried about him. <laughs> and literally, I gave my phone to him and I was like, read my story. I yeah. literally showed him mm. my restraining order. And he was like, this is your story? And I was like, that's my story. And at the time, and a lot, a lot of people that I've met in my life early on from leaving that relationship, um, I was like, you need to know who I am yeah. and where I came yeah. from. Well, because I was going to ask you how much um, post-traumatic... Um, PTSD? Yeah, did you have in your new relationship? Oh, so much. Oh, we want to talk about that first? Just a little bit. Yeah, because <laughs> oh. I, I just, I think a little bit, you know, it's, it's important, yeah. especially since we kind of dove into this part of your story, is that um, there are men... Mm-hmm. And women, okay, mm-hmm. but a lot of uh, uh, men that are dealing with women who have had yeah. past tense trauma, mm-hmm. and maybe they don't know how to handle it. Yeah, I will answer that question. So this is the, the tail end of that, the first question story. Yep. So gave my husband my phone, here's my story, boom, yeah. bang. Um, he ended up texting himself on my phone saying, this is your future wifey. <laughs> and uh, I mean, here Speaking we are. Speaking into existence. Speaking yes. into existence. That's right. Um, so long story short, that's how that happened. Yeah. Um, but as far as the PTSD, um, so this was my first relationship since the abusive one. Right. And my husband is a war veteran. And mm. so what we learned very early on in our relationship was that his PTSD was very similar to mine. He experienced literal trauma right. on the battlefield, and I had my own battle internally from the trauma that I had experienced. Yeah. And I will never forget, that's probably what really like solidified our relationship, because people didn't understand my trauma. Yeah. And people didn't understand, like, oh, well, you're out of it, so you should be okay now. Yeah. I, it don't work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember having a literal panic attack where I'm like (gasps) gasping for air just out of no like no there was no reason um and he didn't ask me no questions he didn't like Mm. oh what's going on are you okay all he did like I was literally in a fetal position and he was rubbing my back wow and I was like you you get me yeah and that really changed the game for me so for people that are 
getting out of abusive relationships and getting into new ones, my biggest recommendation is you got to find you first, boo, mm-hmm. like a hundred percent. Um, cause a lot of times I see people get out of those relationships and they get right back into it and they wonder why is this relationship trash? Well, mm-hmm. you didn't do the work for you. You still got that garbage on the inside. That's why. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. the only person who's going to fix that is yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did I do that? I think I'm uh, an anomaly because right. mine was situation was a little bit different. Um, and I'm not here to compare, oh, well, right. you, sh- you should do this because I did this. Right. Um, but what I learned along the way was that I had to do a lot of healing, mm. so much healing. And here I am 10, 11 years out of that situation, um, and I'm still healing. Yeah. I'm yeah. still recovering. Yeah. There are things that come up that I still got to work on. Triggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, first Incredible, and foremost, thank yeah. you for sharing yes. that portion because yes. that's that's very, very deep and it actually allows me to get a better understanding of who you are. I, I tell Whitney all the time that I really feel that it's always important to go to the past, yes. you know, Absolutely. a tad bit to get to know somebody who they are now. Also, just when you become friends with people or when you begin relationships, understanding yes. triggers and understanding their why, I think you begin to have more compassion yes. for people um, when you can understand that, you know, they don't move the way that we do or, or, or whatever because of this, yes. which right. we may not understand. And I always talk about silent, um, not silent, excuse me, um, invisible bruises mm-hmm. that we can't see. But I might touch it and it, it, it mm-hmm. like, whoa, you know what I mean? You may exactly. react in a certain way and I'm like, whoa, what the hell was that? Yeah. But I don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, what bruise I just touched. And, and so we just have to really have compassion yeah. in that sense we are speaking yes. um, or, or when we're speaking to people, all different types of trauma, you know, that yeah. we never, ever know. So yeah. that's why I always think it's kind of important to go back first. So I... And, and jump in no, anytime that you have any Yo, questions. Good, I just have good. a lot that, um, you know, good. I'm digesting here as she's speaking. Um, when in this journey did you find your umph? When did you find this hustler? When did you find this girl that was like, I'm going to sell T-shirts out of the back of my car? Where, where was she born? Where, where, when did that Shoot. happen? Well, that's a good question. I think, it's, I don't think I've ever been asked that question. Um I think I've always had the hustler spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, I think it, for even with you performing and doing stuff at a young age, yeah. It, and it's interesting because I was so shy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. but I still knew that something was inside of me, right. and it, she just hadn't been unleashed yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, I, I was a Girl Scout. Like, I sold cookies, yeah. and, like, I sold lemonade on summer vacation, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, summer break. Mm-hmm. Um and all those kind of things. So the, that hustler spirit was in me in really, you know, seeing it in my parents and my grandparents. Yeah. Like they weren't entrepreneurs, but my parents hustled hard yeah. for our family and they sacrificed so much yeah. for me and my brother and, you know, seeing how hard my grandparents worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was instilled in me to know that, you know, work hard, play yeah. hard. Yeah. And so for me, I think that the, the, turning point for my hustler spirit was when I was able to raise money on autopilot. Right. So I started my nonprofit and it was constantly a hustle and it was so stressful yeah. and like the sleepless nights of, well, I don't have money in the bank. Right. I can't get paid. Right. And there were times where I literally, you know, donated my paycheck yeah. back to my mm. nonprofit. Yeah. I was going to say, because even, even so when people don't successfully know how to run a business, right. right they yep. can have 2 million followers and not mm. be getting paid. Yeah. yeah. You know, 100%. like how, how am I, how am I, how am yeah. I getting this income? So yeah, 100%. keep going. Um, so there were times early on in 
you know, getting paid with my nonprofit that I was like, well, I'll just donate the paycheck and then get, when I get the money, I'll get it back. Mm -hmm. Pay me last. Pay me last because I will not allow someone to be in an abusive relationship or someone feels stuck or someone can't come to a retreat or Mm -hmm. someone can't get a scholarship or whatever the situation may be. God will provide every single Mm -hmm. time that the bank account said, "Mm, question mark, uh, something came in and I knew at that point, okay, God's coming through every single time. And then uh, once I was, once I started working smarter, not harder, Mm -hmm. building my team, making sure the infrastructure was right and fine tuning a lot of these different pieces. um, And then I started learning how to raise money on autopilot, meaning donations would come in without having to do anything. Um, And I was like, okay, this is cool. I can go on vacation while money is coming in or I can do whatever and, you know, and, and start working smarter. Um, and then with that mentality, when I transitioned out of my nonprofit in 2020, I knew I could do it. Yeah. I now don't have a board of directors to kind of, you know, oversee the organization. Now I can, now I'm the board of directors and now I get to tell myself what to do constantly. Um, so that's a, that's a bittersweet thing in and of itself, but running two different businesses. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It is hard for yeah. anyone watching this and they see, mm-hmm. oh, Kristen wears all these hats and oh my God, how does she do it all? Well, it's hard. Yeah. 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 It yeah. is hard. Mm-hmm. And I am sorry, but not sorry that I make it look easy, but you know, you don't see me shooting in the gym. Right. You don't yeah. see me doing all the things that I have to do to make my businesses work. Right. Um, because my goal is to make money on autopilot yeah. right. where my classes, my this, my that, whatever passive can, income, passive income can yeah. just happen yeah. while I'm constantly building right. other things. Yes. So, um, maybe that's where the hustler mm, mentality yeah. came. Yeah. I love it. I, I love, love it. that. I was just going to ask you too, if you remember as a child, um, were you, um, like kind of a latchkey kid cause your parents were hustlers and out there working or doing what they needed to do. Did you come home often by yourself or, um, so I have a brother mm-hmm. who's five years older than me. Um, and my parents were, they worked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't say they would, they were too busy for me. Right. Um, but my grandparents also helped raise mm. me. And so that was a big part of my life as well, is that for a lot of my childhood, they were my other parents. Mm-hmm. And so um, seeing how hard my dad worked and seeing how hard my mom worked, always working overtime, you know, they mm-hmm. both got opportunities to increase their positions at work, um, but they never wanted to take it because that means that they were less, less. going to be um, away from us less. Um, and they didn't choose that, but they Mm -hmm. chose, well, I'm going to, you know, work on Saturdays and Sundays or whatever the case may be. Um, and you know, when I started my nonprofit, my parents were like, so are you going to get a job? (laughs) And I was like, you know how you guys get a paycheck? Right. I get a paycheck. Right. I just, my job, (laughs) I just made my paycheck. I just, I, it was different. So I'm the only person in my family that's an entrepreneur, um, which, you know, early on they were confused and yeah. like, well, you're working so much and you're doing this and you're doing that. Mm-hmm. And we have to like pencil time in to see right. you. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. Yeah. And that's a whole nother story in and of itself on what my nonprofit did for my family. Mm. Um, sharing my story and sharing my family story yeah. was so, uh, triggering. Yeah. yeah. It was so, it was a lot. Probably not only for you. Oh, for them. For them, 100%. But that's what I was going to say, yeah. because Dana talked about that a little bit, about yeah. how sometimes when you share your story, you don't completely realize at the moment that yeah. you're, this is somebody else's story on a different 100%. factor, you 100%. know? Yeah. When I started, which is funny, is my now husband, um, when him and I met, you know, I shared my story and he realized, and a lot of people here don't know this, but it's something that both of him and I are very vocal about, um, 
is he was an abuser in a past relationship. He wasn't physically abusive, but he learned through my story that, oh my gosh, I was emotionally abusive in past relationships. And um, Mm. I remember we were planning for a conference and I was like, hey, do you want to speak at our conference? And, you know, him and I were talking, we would talk about the education behind domestic violence. And um, he was like, yeah, let me think about what I would talk about. And he put together a presentation called I Was an Abuser. And I said, love that. I said, don't you dare ever say that phrase again. I'm the executive director of a domestic violence nonprofit. (laughs) And you want to say you were an abuser? What is that? And it took me me to the wolves. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Because a lot of survivors have this closed mind of, well, we can't help abusers. But the way that I advocated was we cannot end this issue unless we help everybody. Um, So he Mm. started talking about, you know, growing growing up and all the things and all the stuff with that. Um, and so him and I now speak about the full scope I of DV and it brings people to like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea that, that was abusive or that's, I was doing that's abusive what I was stuff. doing. Yes. You have to bring knowledge to it to, to fix it. Exactly. You, you have to address it. Yes. We have to look at the uncomfortable oh, stuff. Yeah. Gosh, but I love what you just said too. The fact that yeah. I think forgiveness, I think Christianity, yeah. I think just just playing into a, a little bit of that is that we also have to understand that the abusers are loved just as much as yeah. us by God. Yeah. Ugh, Nobody's right? perfect. Because sometimes we don't want to hear that. Yeah. Like, no, 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 they don't get to be forgiven. Like, they did too much harm. They did too much hurt. They don't get to be forgiven. Right. And we can hold this ugliness. And the fact that you're even saying, no, we need to fix this on yeah. both sides. Like, you know, how much treatment is going into these individuals that are abusers. Yeah. Right. That well, you are. cannot fully heal if right. you want to stay being a victim. Like, right. being a victim is only to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to get off that train exactly. and go in a different direction. So right. I, I said that to line up this next piece where he was like, baby, you have to talk about your childhood trauma. And I was like, Ooh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. And he goes, you didn't, you didn't wake up one day and you right. were a victim. Yeah. You have to talk about it. There's, and I was there's like, a reason why you sought out a certain individual, maybe a certain relationship. Maybe there was, there's a whole thing. Uh-huh. There's I'd have whole. been like, why are you reading me right now? This isn't about me. It's about you. <laughs> and it was a lot it was yeah. a lot because I remember growing up my dad used to say that I was gonna find someone just like him oh and I remember telling him yeah. I did Ooh. Yeah. and that was a whole that's a whole another conversation for a whole another day um but mm. he was the one who told me that I should talk about it and I did and that conversation was very uncomfortable for my family my yeah. parents are still married they're they've been together for almost when you say years. conversation you had this conversation with them first or or how did that happen what, um, what kind of took place so I started sharing my story publicly yeah. and was going on tours speaking tours sharing the story and they're like why are you sharing or why are you talking about Telling what happened business yeah, yeah why are you doing that mm-hmm. and I was like I have to do this because other families are just like ours and I need to fix yeah. it and I, not to fix it, but I need to change aware. it, yeah. make people aware. And so they were, you know, caught off guard. Like, wow, it's like, wow, it's shameful. Like, why would you do that? Um, but it really was so eye opening for everyone in a part of my mm. family because they were able to hear the ugly truth that maybe we just swept under the, under the mm. rug for so many years. Yep. And it get, it got to a point where, you know, one day I had to sit down with my parents and talk about this. Yeah. There was one day that I had to sit down or literally walk around the walk around the block with my dad and tell him why I started my nonprofit and be honest with him 
in why I did that because I was abused. Um, but having conversation, multiple conversations with my family or with my dad and now him and I have a great relationship. I was going to say, I feel like that's probably, you guys are probably amazing now. Oh my gosh. Because you guys were so forthcoming and like honest with each other. And that is the important part. Like, that's what I tell you all the time. I try to get my dad to do like, just tell me why I'm like this. I'm like this because I'm a product of what you and mom raised. So why don't you just tell me <laughs> so I don't have to struggle through it? I was just going to ask you in hearing this because I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about your story yeah. as well and in listening to hers of, you know, I, I can't help but think yeah. that you think like, damn, like that's exactly yes. what I wanted. Specific. I wanted to be yes. able to have that moment yes. or, you know, when they haven't given yeah. it to you. Yeah, well, and he was just two. He, I mean, he's a child, so. Well, here's the thing. I, so... When I transitioned out of my nonprofit in 2020, I stopped advocating for about two yeah. years because I thought, oh, when I transitioned out, that meant I closed that chapter mm, and now I'm, I'm you done. know, I'm yeah. a new person, um, which is funny because I was literally, it was um, last month. This So literally last, this is fresh. So I'm driving from Fountain to back up to my office yeah. and I was like, God, I feel empty. Yeah. Mm. And I feel like I want to advocate, but this made me feel all emotional already. Um... I feel like I want to advocate, but I feel like I shouldn't because I'm not doing it under the umbrella or the arm of my nonprofit. And, um, like, what am I supposed to do? And I literally heard God's voice saying, I never told you to stop advocating. Mm, right, you did. Right. And I was like, got it. Okay. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Thank um, you, God. <laughs> because I, I chose it. Right. Um, and so with that, I literally heard God's voice saying, um, you know, I took you out of that organization because I had a bigger plan for mm. you. And at that time, it, being in that organization, I'm like, how much bigger can this get? Right. I'm reaching millions of people. I'm going God's on like, tour. like, hey, hey, Chad, I have no limits. <laughs> right, right. And so the vision that I got was that this next chapter was going to involve me and my dad speaking together. Oh, I love And so that. I reached out to my dad and I was like, dad, would you speak with me? Like, would you, would you share your story with yeah. me? Um. I had the opportunity to have my dad out here. He lives back in San Diego and we literally brought up the cameras and he opened up and for the first time in his entire life, he oh, shared his story and the sound didn't take the sound. Oh, didn't, the sound didn't oh man. We know all about that. Don't we Chris? Those technical difficulties. Oh, so we, like he, he went in for like, like an hour. Check, yeah. check. He went in for about an hour yeah. and, and he was like, I'm never mm. doing this again. Oh, and so I was like, well, I know how to, I know how to get you talking right. dad. I know how to right. do it. I, I just haven't told you yet. But I mean, um, there may be a reason why that happened. And maybe that ugh. moment was specifically for y'all. No. And I didn't even yeah. hear it. I wasn't even in the room. Oh, you uh, weren't even, damn I wasn't it. even in the room. you were in the room. <laughs> no, it was him and my husband. Oh, damn. It was my husband, which is crazy. It was my husband that sat down with my dad to say, you need to talk about your story. You need yeah. to, yeah. you need to support yeah. your daughter and all yeah. the things and all the pieces. And like, I would have never done that. Yeah. Like I would have never done that. And the fact that my husband was able to facilitate that opportunity yeah. for that to be had was incredible. Um, and that's where my dad had a newfound respect for him, yeah. that he was the first yeah. person ever that was willing to see this differently. Yes. Um, but I'm praying that the next chapter of advocacy for me is my dad and me talking I and sharing that. with other people, like yeah. how you shared yes. with your story for just a second is that I want to help other people yeah. that are just like me and help dads learn how to just just 
fucking listen. Just yeah. fucking listen and just be there. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> That's it. just listen. Yeah. And, you know, it took a lot for my dad to be like, okay, I understand. And like, you know, I had to see my dad differently. And I, I think that's the thing for yeah. a lot of people who were like, oh, I'm users, F them. Yeah. But like, they're not in a place where they can receive right. that info. So yeah. for me, when I had the chance to be like, dad, tell me your story. Yeah. And like, I heard pieces of it. I'm like, now I understand yeah. why you did Passion that. Yeah. Now place. I understand yeah. why you made those decisions. Yeah. But like, it's not like, oh, that's great. You did that. But right. like, you understand you have a little bit more of the I have story. Compassion. Yes. But well, if I wasn't in the place to accept that, then right. I'd be like, well, I don't care yeah. about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that can be so healing, I think in itself. And, and it probably opened up a lot of doors and windows for you as far as who you are as a person, just 100%. understanding that. Yep. I think that's essential. That's such a dope idea. It's that's amazing. Yeah. It changed my perspective on life and people in general for being able to heal with my dad allowed me to understand the people that, you know, would talk shit about me yeah. or this, that, or whatever. I'm like, you're hurting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can't be upset because you talk shit about me. Yeah. I have to be understanding that you're hurting so bad that you can't even yeah. communicate mm. that I'm jealous of you. Yeah. I'm this of you. I yep. can't believe you that I feel left out because of this or that or whatever. Right. Seeing that person as a person yes. yeah. changed the game for me and yeah. how I interact with people just love, as a whole. Love. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. That, that, that piece of um, growth right there is a piece of growth that not a lot of people will tend to explore. Yeah. It's because it's hard. Oh, yeah. It's hard. Uh, self-development, self-work, yeah. mm-hmm. um, first looking, like you said, at you and yes. you're, you know, okay, I need, I need to heal me. Um, and so many people don't put in that work, you no. know, because it's very difficult and we no. have to take a lot of responsibility and ownership in Absolutely. that to say, okay, this is my part. This is, you know, yeah. I, and, and some of the questions I had asked you even about, you know, where, where you got this, I, cause I, I was trying to figure, I was a shy girl. I have latchkey uh, parent, uh, I was a latchkey kid, um, sister, five years older than me. Um, so she was there a lot of my growing up, but, um, it, my 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 friends back in elementary used to tell me I was bossy or, you know, cause I had a club, uh, you know, it was the boss babes. That's what it was called. The boss babes club. I swear to God, ask any of my junior highs, Kim, Veronica, you oh could vouch for me. Gosh. It was the boss babes. And, and I had a membership bossy fee. Bossy Betsy. <laughs> membership fee. I did. Two she chips. Did. Yes. Two no, chip bags. Money. No, it was it, it was, was money. money. Like we were gonna go on field trips. And I, I was told gonna her, make I said, this what'd happen. you do with She's, the money? She's organizing field trips. <laughs> yeah. It's like great. And we would because my dad, you know, he worked downtown. He was the head chef at the first Presbyterian church. And so it, back then I would go run around downtown and it was safe. Like I mean I don't know. It maybe it wasn't even safe then, but it was safe enough. Yeah. And and so we would take the bus, which he allowed us to do, all the way from Security Whitefield to downtown Colorado Springs. And so then there was these, those, you know, and these yeah. was just a little, little tiny yeah. shop. And then there was a Walgreens where you get ice cream and there was a Cajun Park where yep. we go sit at the park. And so it was like, okay, well, if you want to be on this field trip, you got to pay the fee. <laughs> and and so they had to pay a fee. And so, but they called That's me bossy <laughs> later. And, and going back in my own story and, and to my own past was, uh, I used to be so down on myself that I was kind of a mean friend or a bossy friend or, or took these um, these things that people said about me and, and, and really try to understand where that came from and, um, you know, having to fend for myself. And that's where I believe that some of my... Uh, 
entrepreneurship came into play was mm-hmm. because I was just used to fending for myself. You want something to eat, you got to go get yep. it. You got to cook it. You got to find it. You got to make it, you know, and my parents were there same. They, they loved us roof over our home. Good, good parents. Um, but they did work a lot to provide and therefore it did keep them away from us. And I didn't have my grandma and grandpa there at my house, you know, and so it was my sister, um, which our relationship is kind of tumultuous in it itself. It's, it's never been this really great relationship, but um, that's why I was curious. I just, you know, if you start to put these yep. pieces together that you're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So maybe being bossy wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you talked a little bit about um, some of the ways that you yourself have evolved. Um, and not only yourself, but your businesses, um, going from, you know, domestic violence and advocating into, you know, where, where did boss babes come into play? And, and you and I spoke about that a little bit, um, but kind of talk to me about the evolution of the businesses and, and what changed and how did it, you know, how did those things maneuver? Um, so when I transitioned out of my nonprofit in 2020, um, I knew that I wanted to create something. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite have a plan in place, but maybe that was just a blessing in disguise. Because mm-hmm. um, I, for the first time in just about 10 years at the time, I wasn't settling down. Yeah. It was just going, 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 going mm-hmm. until the freaking wheels came off. Yeah. And when the wheels yeah. came off, I was still going. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I literally, I mean, my name is Kristen Faith. So I'm a very firm believer in my faith and everything in between. And really, it took me coming out here to Colorado Springs to understand that. When I came out here in 2017. From California. Yep, mm-hmm. from California. Um, I embarked on this journey called Finding Faith. And it was yeah. finding me. And finding my faith in God. Um, but for my businesses, I it was November of 2020 that I was like, I want to put together like a, a get together. It was just yeah. a get together. So we're coming out of just to give you guys remember precursors is here. We're coming out of COVID. Yes. Right? At this particular time. Well, we're like in COVID. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. Still yes, we're exactly. still in it. Yes, and, and the restrictions are still very yes. tight. And, yep. Okay, so you decide, I want to put people together in the yes, same room. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. And so we... Because you missed it. I missed That's it. what you kind of told me was that yeah. you missed connections. Yes, I missed people. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to get a bunch of ladies together. We're going to meet at Kawadi and just, you know, hang yeah. out. Um, and there was like 40 women that showed up or whatever. And literally the next day, the world shut down. <laughs> and um, like, okay, whatever. Glad we did that. Um, good. I'm gl- I, I miss people. Yeah. And I was literally, I would literally cry yeah. in my closet at home <laughs> because I missed people yeah. that bad. Um, and COVID like literally changed the game for me because I, I feel like I have a newfound affinity for being home. So for people that see me out and about all the time, like it takes a lot for me to, to get excited to go out and about speaking to the choir here. Right. So, um, (laughs) but I think I'm shaking that off because I've been doing so many events lately, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, so the world shut down and Kawadi asked if I wanted to do international women's day for an event. Um, and that event was when we had connected. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I want everything women empowerment. I want photographers. I want photo shoots. I want painters. I want performers. I want vendors, everything right. women empowerment. And so we packed out Kawadi on a Monday mm-hmm. and Amazing. that was so much fun. Yeah. And that kind of springboarded into so many other things. Uh, Hawaii, you know, Hawaii was shut down for the first time ever in history because Mm. of COVID. And I was like, I want to go back to Hawaii. Like we, my husband and I got married there and the world shut down. Um, 
And so I put out a message to Boss Babe saying, hey, who wants to do a Hawaii trip, girls trip? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll plan everything. I'll organize everything. And I want to give you a cultural experience mm. of my culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of us went out there. It was all expenses. Like, yeah. we picked you up from the airport. We get, gave you a lay upon arrival with the food, the things, yeah. the stuff. It was great. Um, and then people were like, hey, so this social media stuff that you're doing, like, mm-hmm. do you do that for other people? And I'm like, no. I'm <laughs> No, that I was can. what the yeah. answer was. Yeah. It was no. Yeah. Um, cause I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't really do this for other people. I do this for me yeah. and you know, so select businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized again, it was also recently that for me, for, because we're talking about boss babe in full transparency, just so people understand like the hustle is real, yeah. but like, if you are not in alignment with what you're doing, mm. shit will feel forced. Yes. And you're like, why isn't it going? Yes. Like, why is the car starting? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't until recently, literally that I was like, I need to reorganize some shit. Like for me, boss babe was on hold for a while. So yeah. if people were wondering, well, how come we hadn't had events like all year long? It's because I was going through, not me, but boss babe was going through like an identity crisis. Right. Like, what is this? I don't want yeah. it to be another chamber of commerce. Yeah. I don't want it to be, you know, just a get together yeah, business. Right. I want it to be meaningful. Right. Um, and then literally it literally just like the blossomed on its own. It, it blossomed like it, the freaking boom, the flowers happened and it made sense. I needed to tell women stories. Mm. And that, that was the piece that I was missing. Like I was doing all the other things and I was making stuff work and I was, you know, doing the, it was great. It was fun. But to me, there was something that wasn't clicking. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was, I need to reframe the way that I was running my business and make it meaningful. So it made sense to me, but not only me, but to the consumers who needed me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I transitioned into offering social media support for businesses, that all made sense. I'm like, if I can help you fine tune your presence and your voice online, you're going to make an impact in the work that you're doing. If I can help someone else who's doing the same thing or a different business, um, I'm going to help her do the same thing, whether it's home inspections, whether it's realty, whether it's boudoir, whether it's, you know, a speaker or whatever the situation, music artist, Mm -hmm. so many different types of businesses. Um, and I was finding, like finding myself again in that. And so um, I don't know where the question initially was, but for <laughs> Boss Bay had an identity crisis yeah. and here we are and we're doing yeah. this some dope shit. Yes, so. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, um, so so kind of, and it was the, the evolution of, of your businesses. Um, so so you're, you're, you're here, then you move into this, um, you kind of put it on hold and you've now created almost another brand in itself. It feels like, cause I don't know if it's even under the blanket of boss babes or is it just a completely different social is the social audit and in, in media. Is that a totally different blanket or is that underneath the that's under the umbrella of boss? Babes. Okay. So we, so once I fine tune, and I think that's a big part when you're developing a business yeah. is does your mission make sense to what you're doing? Right. Um, and at the time I would say, Oh, boss babe networking is a community designed to empower women. Right. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But what else? Right. And so literally uh, one of my best friends was in town and we were just chopping it up, like talking about ideas and literally it fell into place. Boss Babe Networking is a community designed to empower women to share their stories and network. And Mm. once that transitioned of a, a mission statement made sense, I was like, oh my gosh, everything that I'm doing now makes sense. And like, how am I going to offer social media services if I'm a a networking group? Like it didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just do it because it sounded good. Um, so now 
people know that when you come to Boss Babe Networking, we're going to make sure you look great online and in real life. Um, And in addition to that, a byproduct is we network. And a byproduct of that is we'll do women's retreats, which we haven't put a date for our next one. Um, But even that, I've transitioned or transformed how I want to do our next retreat. Mm -hmm. I want it to be meaningful. I want people to really get something out of it. And um, it's uh, it's gonna be great. That's exciting. I love it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of what you're speaking, saying, I just I can it resonates with me so much in so many different ways. Your your story and um, so before we we kind of cut out here. Um, a couple of other things that I want to kind of, well, first and foremost, I, I just want to speak personally on the social audit for just a second yeah. here, because I mean, I know I wrote you and, and just kind of gave you some words, but it was so eye opening for me as, um, so I'm watching you. So just, just so you guys know, and I don't know if this is how you do it with, with all of the, you know, the people that may decide to do this was, um, you know, I met with, uh, Kristen, we, we talked about just, you know, here, here's this, here's that, here's what I want you to look at. And so she took all of those pieces and started to really go into my social media and, and look at it and see, okay, how are you presenting yourself? And, um, once she was all done, I got a video, um, and it was just basically a voiceover video, but through the zoom of you navigating through my social media. And that piece in itself, um, I, and I don't even know if you know, but this is why it's so important that I tell you that piece in itself, watching you navigate through the systems was so important to me. And I will say that that first and foremost was probably the biggest takeaway I got because you're speaking and some of the things you saw, you're like, yeah, I don't see it. And I'm like, it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. And yet I'm thinking, well, I know where it's at as the person who built the website or who did this, but she's my consumer right now. And she doesn't see it. Yeah. It's not correlating. It's not matching. So something that I'm doing is not working. And that for me yep. was like, wow, so many different avenues that you went into just like kind of poking around the website. And I was like, ah, oh, she's not seeing it. Oh, that's not there. That you, it, yep. it, it's, been a, it's not a you thing. It's a, this is how my consumers are reading my website. Right. And it told me so much information. Um, so thank you for that. Cause that was so, so eye opening and, and now I'm really like kind of talking with, you know, like Whitney, like, okay, like yeah. there, there's just so many pieces that I'm missing the organizational piece that you talked about and just kind of the cleanup, yes. um, that my brand wasn't necessarily matching. You know, I, you know, I, I kind of am guessing that your colors are these, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, makes me feel like, okay, I need to make sure that my brand is yeah. standing out. Like, and, and how can I do that? And you are able to help, um, consumers and, and people that are owning their own business entrepreneurs. Yes get to that position to say, okay, this is, this is how, so you kind of have a, a couple of different part process in this is that you sit with them, meet with them and then, um, do the audit, which is part one. And then part two is, okay, now do, what do we want to change or what do you need help with? Correct? Exactly. Okay. So when people do the audit and, and where I even got that from, so I, I don't know my, the ideas that I come up with sometimes, I don't know where they come from. It's <laughs> yeah. almost like here, there's the next one. Here's the yep. next one. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like the social media audit, I don't even know who my first audit was, to be quite honest. Um, but I knew that a lot of people wanted me to look at their social media. Oh, tell, tell me what you need me to do. Yeah. Like, tell me, tell me how to do this. And so I was like, well, let me just audit it and right. tell you how to do it. And from there, I make the recommendations. I tell you what it, what it is. But I think the most eye-opening thing for a lot of businesses is it like you said, well, I know what it is. I know what my business is. So why right. do I need this? Right, right. But if I'm your consumer and I try to put myself in everybody's consumer shoes, um, if I don't know what you're doing, right. no one else is going to know what you're doing. Right. Exactly. And so 
it's cool that I know who you are and right. I know what you do. So I kind of can play devil's advocate, but imagine you're having a mystery shop. Yeah. Typically businesses yeah. that pay actual mystery shop dollars is quadruple, quadruple, quadruple the amount of money that it yeah. is. But I offer it at a great level so you can see or get a taste right. that, Hey, this is what it is. Yes. And you can understand that these are things that people are seeing online and these are the things that you need to improve on. Right. And in the event you need SEO or in the event you need content creators, video people, whatever, I got you. Um, but then seeing that from a different person's lens, yes. it's the only feedback anyone wants to get. Yep. From, from a social <laughs> media standpoint. That, you said, you said. Yeah. Some of the only constructive criticism that you want to get within your business is like, hey, yeah, because it's like, okay, this is, you know, um, but I love that you say that too, is because there are, there are, there are things that you could still sit down and say, okay, now we let's talk about this piece too, you right. know, and, and sometimes we, yeah. we talk about that all the yep. time, the information yep. that we know will be beneficial to us, but we don't want to hear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but you're literally, for anyone watching this, like you literally are listening to this, is that if you don't take the time to invest in you, yeah. I promise you on everything, you yeah. are losing money. Yeah. yeah. Like, and no one wants that. I want to see every single person that I touch win and whatever that looks like in whatever industry that is. Mm -hmm. Like here's an opportunity to invest in yourself just a little bit for you to be able to now, okay, let me take this and right. run with this and let me do more with it. Yeah. So, yeah. So where can our listeners find you? Like what uh, avenues can they find you on first and foremost if they decide that they want to do this, if they decide they want to check out your story, if they wanted it, you know, check out your nonprofit. Right. Where do they find you? All the things. Yeah. Um, so Boss Babe Networking can be found on bossbabenetworking.com. Our socials are all official Boss Babe Networking. Um, you can also follow all things nonprofits if you're looking for fundraising stuff or also going online and raising more money on autopilot. Uh, everything on the nonprofit makeover. So the nonprofitmakeover.com. Um, or socials are is the nonprofit makeover. So. Okay. Okay. So, and uh, just really, really, really quick for our local people in Springs, talk about what you just opened up in this this creative like yes. building place that you you just opened up. Talk about Yay. that. Yay! So Anthem Music Enterprises is my husband's company, <laughs> and I have the honor and privilege of working with the guys running their social media. So if you like what you see, that's what you get. Right. Um, so I run their social media, but more than that, uh, my husband had a vision of creating a multimedia place for our yeah. city mm -hmm. because there isn't really anything no. like it. There's yeah. nothing like it here. Yeah. Um, and so their company started um, – three years ago and literally at our dining room table. And <laughs> my husband has about 15 years of music experience. Yeah. And so we built a studio. It's a multimedia studio off Garden of the Gods. Yeah. It has an audio production studio, a content creator space. And um, we'll be opening our conference room soon for people to be able to rent that out. Um, and, also, and you're going to be also giving classes right. out of this place. All the things. <laughs> all, so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. why I literally brought my hat because I wear so many hats. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy it. Like yeah. it's fun to be able to balance these different areas Do of my life. Do you believe in balance? A hundred percent. I don't. I do. You'll have to talk to me more about that on <laughs> yeah. private. Yeah, I do. Because I, I, I am struggling. Like, I, I think that, you know, I feel like the, when we try to balance one thing, this one kind of flung, and then we try to go back this way, and it kind of mm -hmm. does like this. And I can never seem to find the, I mean, I, I'm making it through life. I'm making it through business. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, but there's a point where it's like, okay, like, it's got to get. And so just no, without having a whole nother podcast yeah. on that, yeah. Um, to me, balance is very important. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that, being an entrepreneur for the last decade, being my own boss, yeah. is 
that if you don't have balance, everything else just kind of feels like what the hell's going on. And a lot of people, especially in boss babe networking, they ask me, well, how do you do it? How do you go to all these events? How do you still have a family? How do you have a husband? How do you take, take time for yourself? Like, what does that look like? Because I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm actually going to be putting together a one day retreat. So this, you're the first the first to know about it. Um, I've been thinking about this for the last week and I'm like, okay, I'm going to marinate, marinate. Is this going to stick or not going to stick? Cause mm-hmm. I have so many ideas. Right. Some of them stick, some of them don't. Um, but for me, something that was life changing, what I learned from my nonprofit moving into these businesses is I will not never work 20 hours a day, seven days a week ever again. Um, I create my businesses in a way where it is sustainable. I'm happy. I enjoy what I'm doing and I'm able to travel and I'm able to spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. I will never be in too busy for my kids will be like, Oh, you're always in meetings every single day. They used to joke about that. And while they thought that was funny and cute that they dressed up like me and they said that (laughs) I didn't appreciate that because I, well, I appreciated it in a sense where, Oh shoot, this is how they see me. This is my real life audit. Um, and so I Hmm. would love to be able to teach women how to create that balance. And it might not be, Oh, this is, this is your balance, but something that I've learned with balance is that it looks different for everybody, but being tired all the time, being so, you know, so burnt out that you can't do life palpitations. Exactly. Like I, I know what that feels like and I will refuse to do that shit again. Mm -hmm. So, um, to me, balance is everything and it looks different for everybody, but we'll talk about that on side. Yeah, we need part two again. <laughs> we always need a part two, especially with people like you that we, we just want to continue to yes. dive in and digest your brain. Like, I'm like, let me just keep you in my pocket right here. I want to digest you a little bit more. Thank you, Thank you so, so much, much. Yeah, yeah, so for your story, for being open, vulnerable, authentic, real. Um, I love that I caught uh, you. I, I I never sensed, I, and I will say this, I never, I, you you know who you are right off the bat. Like you, there's right. no, um, and I love that. That's, that's one thing that I appreciate very much is that people just are who they are. Yeah. Um, and you don't, you know, you just, I don't want to say you don't have a filter, but you're real. This, this is me. Yeah. This is you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Me. And, and, um, I, I love that. So, so I appreciate it's, that. Thank and you so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Your story was amazing. You I guys, uh, you know where to find her. Um, yes. go check her out, you know, and, and if you yourself, I, I have been in business, um, for over 10 years and I've had my website and, and I'm ranking great and everything like that. But, um, we always need a cleanup and we yes. always need somebody else to be able to give us, you know, this, this information. It's so much needed. Thank you for that. Um, go check her out. And, and, and if you are a business right now, whether you're struggling or whether you're not struggling, um, it is so eye opening. I yes. 100% put my name on it and just say that I loved what she did. And, and, and on my list of things to do is, you know, we're, we're slowly implementing some of these changes met with your networking team as well. And they are amazing people. Um, excited to kind of, you know, uh, get something going with them. Possibly we talked about different ideas and and whatnot. And, and she has the network. She has the network of people that, like she said, she can get you with, um, if you're local, that studio is dope, dope, go dope. Check it out. Yes. Um, and, and if you want to, if you need to make an appointment to go see it, um, you know, do that, but, um, go check her out. Kristen faith, boss babe networks, uh, nonprofit recently named or, or nominated women of influence. Yeah, um, she, like she won. you won. I did. Oh, <laughs> dang. I didn't, where's my, where's my button? I'm so afraid to press the button. <laughs> nope. <laughs> wrong button but wrong it's okay button. it's okay yeah. I don't use point. them enough but um, amazing amazing thank yes. you for coming here and blessing thank us you. with Absolutely. your presence so. it was an honor. we are out that's Thank it. you yeah now we can get